0: Well, today, uh, we continue our study in the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to start by teaching you guys a, a leadership principle this morning called norming. Uh, if you want people to accept something, present it and treat it as normal behavior. Um, make it something that everyone does in, in the way that you norm a behavior. So norming can be used for good and it can be used for bad, depending on the motive behind it and the person that is using it. And so norming a behavior can be a a wonderful thing. For instance, um, I serve in the Grove, which is our nursery ministry on Wednesday nights, because I want it to be a norm to have cross-generational relationships. I want it to be a normal behavior for our very best leaders to intentionally and strategically invest in the next generation. Share your lunch takes away the stigma of needing help. It's normal behavior at MFA to bring food to church and then to celebrate when we see others take the food that we share. Generously giving to missions is the normal at our church. That's unusual, but it's become the norm here. It's just part of what we do. And very early on, we celebrated diversity very intentionally, knowing that, that God wanted that to be the new normal in his church. And now attending with people that are different than you is normal. The honest truth is it would be weird to go somewhere where everybody was the same. It just wouldn't feel right. With the MFA invite cards and then the Friend Day invite cards, we are trying to norm, inviting people to church and sharing your faith. See, I want the norm to be that you are constantly inviting people to church. Jesus also normed daily prayer for his disciples He didn't tell them, guys, you need to have a daily quiet time. Instead, he modeled it for them. Jesus, they watched Jesus day after day in good times and in difficult times, withdrawing to spend time alone with God. Jesus normed daily prayer so effectively that finally the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. In response, Jesus taught them. His prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6, and we are memorizing it together, learning it as a prayer guide for a conversation with God. Let's say it together as we put it on the screen. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, a quick review if you have missed one of the last weeks. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Begin your time with God, thanking him for who he is, for what he's done for you, and all the blessings in your life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray for God's will to be done in your life, in your family's life, and in our church. Pray that God will help you hear His voice and to know His will, and pray that you will be obedient to His plan for your life. Give us this day our daily bread. Present your needs to God. Pray for others. If you keep a journal or a list of prayer needs, this is where you pray through that. If you don't, that's okay. You just pray through things as they pop into your head. We serve a God who supplies our needs on a daily basis. Pray that God will give you the grace, the strength, and the mercy, fresh and new, for today. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Pray and ask God to forgive you for your actions, your words, your attitudes, and sins that are displeasing to him. And ask God to help you forgive others. Remember, the manner in which you forgive others is the way in which God forgives you. See, I pray it often in the way that I'm teaching you. One of my goals of this series is to norm prayer. I want you to consider it a normal behavior to spend time with God every day. Not that it's something that is reserved for the super spiritual, but it's something that's done by every day. Because daily prayer is supposed to be normal, not exceptional. And today, we come to the next line in the prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, we are surrounded by temptation all day, every day. It's often overwhelming. There's a constant pull to do wrong. In fact, in some instances, it seems that doing wrong is normal. You almost feel abnormal if you do right. You see, that's one of Satan's most subtle tools. He wants to norm sin. His goal is to convince individuals and even the church, if enough people are doing it, then we can't call it wrong. It's just the new normal. Come on, times have changed. You see, behavior and actions that used to be considered wrong are now commonly accepted. Think about it. Society has radically changed in its attitude towards homosexuality. There has been a dramatic shift in American society in the last 10 years. Alcohol abuse. Some of you guys remember when beer ads weren't allowed on TV or when you couldn't purchase alcohol on Sundays. Not anymore. Drug use. The the legalization of marijuana is a classic example of norming. Profanity and sex on TV. Listen, we are a long way from Andy Griffith, father knows best, and the Brady Bunch. Man, I remember a time when when you just didn't see those things. Living together before marriage went from being shameful to where now it's almost seen as acceptable, even wise, to test out if you can peacefully coexist with each other. See, nudity and violence in movies and on TV used to earn an X rating, now earns an R rating. What used to earn a our rating now earns what didn't even exist 30 years ago, a PG-13 rating. And we very slowly allow more and more of it into our homes. What we used to violently object, we now allow. It's become normal. Pornography has moved from a secret habit to a multi-billion dollar industry with award shows and conventions. 20 years ago, you sent your kids to bed at a certain time of night, and you didn't even think twice about taking a book away from them if they were caught up reading it after lights out. Yet now we send them to their rooms for for hours of unmonitored time watching Netflix or exploring the depths of the Internet on their devices. See, church attendance used to be the norm. People routinely gave God and the church multiple time slots every week. And now it's norm to choose baseball over God. Fifty years ago, marriage was forever. It was almost a non-negotiable. Yet now that has changed dramatically. If those changes had happened suddenly, then there would have been a huge outcry. But slowly... Gradually and incrementally normal shifts. You can see how far we've come or how far we've fallen by looking way, way back. You see, it's not only true in society, it's also true in the church. Some things that never would have been accepted in the past are now seen as normal. It didn't happen overnight in the church either. It was a slow, gradual, and incremental, incremental, that's the word I'm looking for, incremental change. No one would allow it to happen overnight. Today, the the church looks too much like the world. Now listen, I'm not talking about dress or style of music or what our buildings look like or, or lights. Listen, all of that stuff really doesn't matter. If you don't think that a style should change, then we need to go back to wearing what Jesus wore. right? You can't just pick one particular time when you liked what they wore and say that that was right. Listen, I'm not talking about style or preferences. I'm talking about sinful habits and behaviors that we used to reject and now too often we accept because everyone's doing it. Unfortunately, that's because we're being accustomed to a new normal. Jesus prayed and taught us to pray, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. See, we have a tendency to believe that temptation is a new thing, that in Jesus' day there was no evil. But that's simply not true. When this prayer was taught originally, prostitution was rampant. Tax collectors were officially licensed cheats who stole from the rich and the poor alike, and political enemies were crucified. Sin and temptation has always been present, but for many generations it was kept under wraps. You may have struggled, but you were convinced that other people didn't struggle. And now so many people have the same struggle and so openly that now you've decided it's not a struggle anymore. You don't have to keep it hidden and it's not wrong. It's open, it's in the public, and it's in your face. Listen, in other parts of the world, it's even worse than in America. There are countries that I won't even open a newspaper in because I know that there's going to be nude pictures. There are countries that I won't even turn on the television in a hotel room because I know that the I never know which channel is going to be showing pornography. We live in a world that is openly sinful and becoming more so. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, "Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil." You see, with that simple prayer, Jesus reminds us what we all know too well, that temptation is everywhere and we're all vulnerable. Erwin Lutzer got it right when he said temptation is not a sin, it's a call to battle. See, temptation is a battle because sin is more than just a choice, it's a power in your life. God told Cain in Genesis 4-7, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. It's quite a word picture, isn't it? Picture that in your mind, that sin is crouching at the door of your heart ready to pounce so what does it mean to pray lead us not to temptation does it mean that god intentionally tempts you unless you pray this prayer is jesus telling you to pray lord don't set me up to be ruined no matter of fact james 1 13 says when tempted no one should say god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone You see, lead us not to temptation is a prayer that acknowledges your weakness in the face of temptation and your needs for God's greater power to be active in your life. You should pray that the Holy Spirit will help you to resist evil, to be free from sinful habits, and for the strength to make right choices. You see, when I reach this point in my prayer, I pray, Lord, help me to be wise in the face of temptation. Help me to recognize temptation for what it is and not be drawn in or trapped by Satan's schemes. God, I know my own ability and my strength, and without your help, I can and I will fail. Lord, lead me on a path where I'm surrounded by your protection. Help me to resist the pull to do wrong. I don't want to give in and live according to society's norm I want to live according to your words and your standards. Strengthen me so that I will not fail. Help me to overcome temptation. Listen, church, you need to be praying this over your children and pray this over your grandchildren. Beginning when they were young, I have prayed this type of prayer over my kids. I prayed that they would be strong in the face of temptation and live a pure and holy life. I especially prayed for my kids in the area of sex, pornography, and dating. Listen, I know that these areas are where young men and young women are vulnerable to temptation. Lead them not to temptation. Deliver them from evil. Help them recognize the truth before the temptation. And help them see through Satan's lies. You see, a mouse gets caught in a mouse trap because instead of seeing the trap, it sees the cheese. It looks good. It looks tasty. And best of all, it is free. But it's not without consequences. If the mouse saw the truth, then the trap would fail. There's no way that the mouse would take the cheese if he knew the price that he was about to pay for taking one bite of food. See, there's no way that a married man would have an affair if he could see in advance the pain that it would cause his wife, the pain that it would cause his children. If he could just see the trap, he would run from the temptation. Yet Satan never shows you the trap, he only shows you the bait. Listen, there's no way that you would take that first drink. If you could only see the trap that's waiting on the other side, if you saw yourself as an alcoholic controlled by the bottle, night after night, wasting your money, your relationships and your future, all in the pursuit of one more drink, you'd run from the bottle. If a student could see the guilt and the shame and the hurt and the pain that comes from giving herself away sexually... She would never make that mistake. You see, Satan doesn't show you the trap. He's wise. He's crafty. Sin is crouching at the door, and he wants to master you. So I pray that God makes you wise, that you'll see past the bait, that you'll see the truth behind the trap, and you'll resist temptation. See, when I pray this prayer very often, I pause at this point, and I consider the cost Of failing. I make a mental picture of me messing up and it becoming public knowledge, and I begin to list all of the ways that it would have an effect. I think through the cost of sin and failure. I think how it would hurt my wife. I think how it would hurt my children, how it would affect them. I think how it would affect our friends. I think about how it would affect our church. I think about how it would affect those that I've led to Jesus. I think about how it would affect people who trust my leadership. Listen, I want to make sure that I am wise to the trap of sin. And I ask God to not let me forget the cost of failure. I pray for purity in word and thought and in, in action. I pray, Lord, give me the strength to resist temptation and to do right, regardless of what the world around me is doing. See, that's the first part of the phrase. Lead us not to temptation. The second part is, but deliver us from evil. This is where I pray for protection for me and my family and for you. I pray, God, I I know you've got a plan for my life, but I also know that Satan has a scheme to destroy me. Keep me safe from the plans of the enemy. Hold me and keep me safe in your hands. At this point, I I pray for Tina and I pray for Josiah and Jonathan and Sophia. I pray that God will keep them safe as they travel, that God will keep them safe at work and at school. I pray that no strategy of the enemy will, will, will succeed against them, but that God will supernaturally watch over them and protect them. I pray for protection against sickness and disease. And I pray against accidents and attacks. I pray for protection from evil people and evil schemes. Listen, we've had our challenges, but the Lord has delivered us from all of them. I pray for God's divine protection against the strategies of Satan. I pray that his strength will be their strength for that day. I pray that we will stand strong against temptation and evil and that God will deliver us from living according to the new norm of our world and instead help us to live according to his divine plan. Listen, you should be praying this over your students and your kids every day before they walk out of your house and into the world. Why? Because our world wants to destroy them and Satan wants to trap them. We have got to fight against that. Listen, there is a lot of evil in the world. Last week at the Project Rescue meeting that I told you about, one of the men present was the General Superintendent of Assemblies of God in Burkina Faso, which is a country in West Africa. He leads all of our Assemblies of God churches there. And pastors and believers in Burkina Faso have faced terrible persecution in the last few months. Whole churches have been gunned down during their church services. Churches have been burned and pastors have been killed. The stories are incredibly brutal. While at the meeting, Pastor Michelle received a message on his cell phone. It was a video of one of our believers being headed for following Jesus. They forced him to dig his own grave. And then they made him kneel in his grave. And then they hacked his head off with a machete. So it's one of the most horrible things that most of the people in that room had ever seen. Pastor Michelle told them, I have not had a night's sleep without interruption for two months. At least once a night, I get a phone call that a pastor or a believer has been killed or that another pastor is fleeing for his life. See, they prayed for Pastor Michelle and for the churches and the believers in Burkina Faso that God would deliver them from evil. You could listen to that and say, Jason, that prayer isn't working. Evil is on the increase. God's side seems to be losing. Let me remind you that the God you serve is greater than the enemy that tries to destroy you. I want to share with you Scott and Karen's story. Watch.
1: You know, living in Africa these past 25 years, we have seen how important prayers are in our lives, protecting our family, protecting us from evil. And um, that reminds me um, of the story when we were at the beach with Megan. Oh yeah, Megan was only about 11 months old. Yeah. She started walking early. I remember I was sitting down in the sand and I had one of those old clunky video cameras and she was real close to me. And so I had it up to my eye, So I couldn't see real well, but I could watch as she bent down and she picked up this stick and she started playing with this stick. Only it wasn't a stick. Beggs was with us at the time and he shouted, snake! And I looked down into my horror. Here's Megan holding a snake in her hand. So I slapped her hand, it fell to the ground, and we killed it and found out that it was a burrowing asp. And if she would have been bitten by it, she would have died. And in the video, it's kind of crazy. You can see the snake strike at her and miss her. And I just know at that time, there must have been people praying for God's protection over us. Yeah, Jesus taught us to pray, deliver us from evil, and prayers are critical for life and ministry in Africa. Absolutely, we couldn't uh, do missions without people praying. Satan has a strategy,
0: yet God has a plan. And in the same way that God protected Mackenzie from that snake, I pray that God will protect you and keep you safe from harm. At this part of the prayer, I pray for ultimate deliverance from evil. I pray, Jesus, I am looking forward to your return to that moment when you come back and you finally deliver us from all this evil for all of eternity. I want to be ready, Lord, today, if you decide that today is the day that you want to come take us home. Lord, deliver us from evil. If you want to take us out of, the, out of this evil and wicked place, I'm ready. Let's go. Psalm 3419 says, a righteous man may have troubles, but the Lord delivers them from all. The Lord delivers them all. See, a righteous man may have many troubles, but you have the promise That the Lord delivers them all. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Two months ago, people in songs, which is a group of worship leaders that I love. We sing many of their songs on Sunday mornings. They released a new song called Hell or High Water. The title may be offensive to you, um, but the more that I've thought about that, the more appropriate I figured out that it was. You see, sometimes the attack of of Satan feels sudden and it feels strong, like all of hell is fighting against you. Another time, the the pressure is steady and increasing like high water. It seems like there's nothing you can do to hold it back. And then, when the water recedes, it affects everything. Regardless of of the enemy's attack, you have a promise. God said in Isaiah 43, Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God will deliver us from evil. I want you to listen to the words of the chorus of that song. It says, so come hell or high water, you're still on the throne. You are faithful and able. You're in control. There's no question about it. You're king over all. I know who you are. Listen to me. You might be fighting hell itself. But know this, God is still on the throne. He is still faithful and he is still able to do and he is still in control. And because he is, you can pray with confidence, deliver me from evil.
2: This confidence I know who you are
0: Today, maybe you would say, Pastor Jason, that's where I'm at. And I feel like all of hell is coming against me or, or my family. And I just need God's strength to be able to keep going. I, I, need, I need God's strength and his power to help me to overcome If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are? You'd say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I come to you right now. God, and I pray for those that raise their hand. Lord, that that feel like they are facing all of hell in this battle. God, maybe it's a battle for their health. Maybe it's issues with with a, a child or a spouse. God, maybe it's issues with work. Maybe it's something else. God, I pray that you would give them strength, God, to fight. God, knowing that the battle is not theirs, but the battle is yours. God, we have read the end of the book. Lord, we know that we win. So God, I pray that right now, God, that you would help men and women overcome the battles that they're in. God, for some in here, it may be that temptation piece. God, they are fighting against sin, either in their life or in their family's life. God, I pray that you would give them the power and the strength to resist temptation. God, to give them the power to overcome addictions and sinful habits in their life. God, because at the end of the day, we want to look like you. God, we don't want our lives to cause people not to follow you. So God, help us to look more like you. God, help us to be sensitive to the areas that we need to pay more attention to. God, forgive us when we're wrong. God, and help us. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.